Welcome to the weekly Comic Web Old Time Radio Program podcast. We sell old time radio programs, Golden Age comics in PDF format, and we have other free podcasts. Visit comicweb.com for more information or find us on Facebook and iTunes. We missed doing a podcast last week, so this week you get two episodes. We will explore the range of what suburban married life was like in the 1950s with an episode of Ozzy and Harriet, and then a slightly different take with an episode of This Is Your FBI. Adventures of Ozzy and Harriet, starring young America's favorite couple, Ozzy Nelson and Harriet Hilliard. This is Kenny Delmar. Laughter and comedy have made America the great nation that it is. But some things in life are not funny. One of them is cancer. Each year, 170,000 Americans tragically meet their death by cancer. And most pitiful of all are the yearly deaths of more than 2,500 children under the age of 20. To endure as a great nation, we must bring this tragedy under control. The American Cancer Society has launched a program designed to achieve cancer control through research, education, and service. By your generous contributions to your local committee of the American Cancer Society, you can help make this plan effective. God those you love. Give to conquer cancer. Now over to the Nelson household of 1847 Rogers Road. As we join them, Harriet is in the living room, very busy with her knitting, when Ozzie enters the room. Hello, honey. What have you been doing? You look a little beat up. Oh, I've been outside working on my victory garden. I think the birds have eaten up most of the seeds, though. Well, I thought you put up that scarecrow, and he was doing such a wonderful job. That scarecrow is as good as nothing. You know what I think? What? Every time the sun comes out good and hot, he sneaks down to the corner for a short beer. <laughs> Well, at least working in that garden gets you out in the sun a little. As a matter of fact, I think I'm looking pretty healthy, don't you? Of course, it was kind of a rugged winter, you know, and I still have these circles under my eyes. Mm-hmm, but they look much better now. They used to go all the way around, didn't they? <laughs> hey, what happened to the side of your face there? Oh, I cut it shaving as usual. Hey, which reminds me, were you sharpening pencils with my straight razor yesterday? Of course not, dear. Are you positive? Certainly. I had an awful time with a blade this morning. I'll bet somebody was sharpening pencils with it yesterday. I think that's absolutely impossible, because I had it with me in the garden all day yesterday, cutting out weeds. <laughs> now, look, honey, a razor blade is only for shaving. When I put shaving cream on my face, and I get it good and lathered, and then I run the razor over my whiskers... Yes? I like to cut them off, not line them up. Now, <laughs> oh, the only thing for me to do is get an electric razor, I guess. Yeah, that's a good idea. It'll make weeding the garden so much faster. No, fine. <laughs> Say, will you look through that bundle of old clothes before I give them to the release? Okay. Hmm. Hey, where'd you find this stuff, anyway? Most of it was in the attic. Oh, oh boy, where did this long woolen underwear come from? Well, don't you remember? You bought those for yourself when we were first married. Oh, yeah. I really started from scratch, didn't I? <laughs> well, honey, wait a minute. Don't give this away. This is my old football suit. Oh, what memories. Oh. Hey, I can't find my shoulder pads here. wonder where the shoulder pads are. Well, don't you remember, honey? Last year, you asked me to sew them in your sport coat. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Kind of tired. That working in the garden must have done me in. 
Ozzy, look out. You're sitting on the... Oh, knitting needle. Why in the world do you always leave knitting needles on the chair point up? I don't know why you insist on knitting anyway. I'll admit you make good pies and you bake good cakes. Well, for your information, I'm getting pretty darn good at this, too. I've been knitting so much lately, I can knit with my eyes closed. I think that's how you knitted that last sweater for me, with your eyes closed. (laughs) Well, so what if I didn't make it a little large? I thought you'd grow into it. Harriet, I may get a little heavier, but my arms aren't going to get two feet longer. (laughs) Well, couldn't you roll the sleeves up? Oh, I like it where I have it now, as a throw rug in my den. (laughs) Well... Don't worry, because this one doesn't happen to be for you. You know, I never will forget that first sweater you knitted for me. Remember, you knitted the back and the front and the sleeves all separately, and then you didn't know how to put it together? I finally did manage to. Yeah, it was so hard to wear. That scotch tape kept coming off. (laughs) Well, it was your own idea. Hey, that sure is a small sweater you're knitting there. Who's that for, a midget? You'll find out when I'm ready to tell you not before It happens to be a little surprise. Oh, my goodness, look at the time. I'm supposed to be downtown. Here, give me that sweater. Stop looking so puzzled. It's supposed to be a surprise. See you later, dear. Gee, I wonder what it... Well, of course. Knitting a little sweater. So that's her surprise. Ho-ho! Ha-ha! And that Bing Crosby thinks he's so smart. Mrs. Nelson likes my new hairdo. Well, I'm awful sorry, Emmy Lou, but she just went downtown. However, if you'd like the opinion of a slightly aging juvenile, I should say it looks super. Oh, thank you, Mr. Nelson. Got a big date for tonight? Well, sort of. It seems that this boy is stationed near here, and his mother is a friend of mother and daddy. One of those things. He's a terribly nice boy, but I feel like I'm sort of robbing the cradle. Oh, he's pretty young, hey? Young? He's practically a child. But he's in the Army? Yes. Uh, Well, I won't tell anybody. But I do have a little secret for you. Really? What is it? Oh, I don't know, though. This has to be kept a secret, and you sort of have that, oh, just wait until I run over and tell the girls in the sorority, look in your eye. (laughs) Oh, no, Mr. Nelson, tell me, please. Well, it seems there's going to be a new arrival at the Nelson household. Baby, Mm -hmm. oh, isn't that wonderful? Oh, wait till I tell... Oh, Mr. Nelson. <laughs> How can anybody possibly keep a secret like that? When did Mrs. Nelson tell you? Well, as a matter of fact, she didn't yet. You see, she's trying to pull a big surprise. But I'm a little too smart for her. I happen to see her knitting a little sweater, you see, and... What's the matter, Mr. Nelson? Uh, nothing. Just a little dizziness. It'll pass you. <laughs> As I said, I, I noticed her knitting this tiny garment, you see, and... Oh, I'm sorry, would you care for one of these pickles? All of a sudden, I seem to have a craving for them. I would... <laughs> no, thanks. Right. Well, anyway, here's what I'm going to do. You see, I'm going down to the department store and buy a complete outfit of baby stuff. You know, all the clothes and all the... Everything, you see? Oh, I can't. And then when she tells you what the surprise is, you can prove that you knew it all along. Right. Has the busy spell gone, Mr. Nelson? Oh, don't worry about me. I've been a father twice, you know. <laughs> oh, yes, I know. 
Let me see. Ricky is five and David's about eight now, isn't he? That's right. And gosh, you know, it seems like yesterday that Harriet was singing that song they wrote for David when he was a baby. I remember the night she introduced us. It was on Bing's program. Thanks. I'll be on my way. Goodbye, Annie Lou. Goodbye, Mr. Nelson. Third floor, sporting goods, men's clothing, boots and shoes. Have your coupon, Vitty. <laughs> hey, uh, don't you want to get off here, mister? Uh, no, thanks. I'm going to the next floor. That's the last one, I believe. Well, uh, I don't like to seem personal, but uh, the next floor is the maternity department. Well, it probably seems strange, but I'm going to surprise my wife. <laughs> You're going to surprise your wife. I wonder if there's such a thing as elevator fatigue. <laughs> I guess I didn't make myself very clear. You see, my wife doesn't think I know about it, but I saw her knitting a little sweater. Oh, knitting a little sweater, hey? Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, what color? Uh, why do you ask? Well, if it was blue, she's expecting a boy, and if it was pink, she's expecting a girl. Oh. 
Uh, what color was it? Uh, green. <laughs> now, that's a devil-me-care attitude. <laughs> And uh, congratulations. Oh, thanks. I'd give you a cigar, but I don't have one with me. They're so hard to get these days. Yeah, ain't it the truth? Hey, did you hear the one about the guy who found his favorite brand of cigars? He was so happy, he went around giving away his children. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so long, bud. Don't take no wooden diapers. (laughs) Very funny, wooden diapers. He doesn't know, but that's what they're making them out of now. Gosh, this might be a little embarrassing. Look at all the women. Nothing on this floor but women. I bet I'm the only... Can I help you, sir? Oh, well, uh, that is... Well, yes, I'm going to have a baby. Uh, Well, why come here? Have you tried Hobby Lobby? (laughs) (laughs) I'm only joking, of course. I'm sorry. I guess I am a little flustered. Uh, Haven't you ever been a father before? Oh, yes, twice. We have two boys now. I see. Are they in the service? <laughs> no, no, they're just five years and eight years old. Oh, yes, of course. Well, now, what can I do for you? Well, I want to buy some of the regular baby things. Well, this is the baby department. Is there anything you want? Well, uh, I really don't know. Well, how about a bassinet? A bassinet? Mm-hmm. Could you use a bassinet? Well, yes, I guess so. <laughs> What else should a baby have these days? <laughs> well, how about some rubber pants? Rubber pants? Yes, that sounds good. It does rain quite a bit here in California. <laughs> oh, brother. Well, let's see. What else? Oh, uh, let me... oh, I tell you, I'll take some of those little nighties up there. <laughs> and some of these little shirties. <laughs> and a few blankets and some of those three-cornered pants. you better make those king size. Okay. How about some talcum powder? Talcum powder? Oh, no, he won't shave for a long time. Oh, brother. Why did I say that before? Uh, Will that be all, then? Uh, Yes, I guess I'll be fine. And will you send him out to the house, please? The name is Nelson. Okay. And the address? Uh, 1847 Rogers Road. Rogers Road. All right, thank you very much, Mr. Nelson. And I'll bet the baby will look just like you. Well, we won't care as long as he's healthy. (laughs) I hope my wife doesn't buy all the same things I just bought. I think she's out making preparations for the new arrival, too. Good afternoon, Mrs. Nelson. May I help you? Yes, thank you. <laughs> now, don't tell me you've finished knitting the little sweater already. Well, no, not yet. But before I went any further, I want to make sure I was making the sweater in the right size. Mm-hmm. Well, you're perfectly welcome to check for yourself. He's in the left-hand cage, the third cocker spaniel from the end. Oh, I can't wait till we get him home. He's the cutest little dog in your store. <laughs> Well, say, did your husband know about the surprise yet? Well, he was getting a little suspicious, so I did hint about the new arrival. Uh-huh. But I didn't say whether it was going to be a cat or a dog or a parrot, so I'm sure he doesn't know what kind of an animal to expect. Well, <laughs> I see. I'll send the dog over whenever you notify me. I hope your husband will be surprised. Oh, I'm sure he will. Goodbye. <laughs> 
Rosie will be surprised, and Harriet will be too, if in a somewhat different way. This is Hildegard speaking. To preserve our right to live a peaceful and healthy life, we sacrificed about 300,000 American men and women from Pearl Harbor to V.J. Dade. Yet, during that same period, we permitted more than twice as many Americans to die at home of cancer. Now, if these persons had been taught how to recognize the early symptoms of cancer and had received prompt treatment, up to 50% of those victims could have been saved. The American Cancer Society is presently engaged in a campaign to raise $12 million. It is desperately needed in the fight to bring cancer under control. So please contribute generously to your local committee of the American Cancer Society. Guard those you love. Give to conquer cancer. And now back to Alfie and Harriet. To put it mildly, things have gotten pretty confused with the occupants of 1847 Rogers Road since Ozzie walked in and saw Harriet knitting a sweater for the Conquer Spaniel she's purchased. As a matter of fact, Ozzie is still out shopping for baby things. As our scene opens, Harriet is phoning the pet shop. Hello? Oh! Hello? Uh, this is Mr. Kern. This is Mr. Kern! Uh, this is Mrs. Ozzie Nelson. You left word for me to phone you. Oh, yes, I'm sorry to trouble you, Mrs. Well, David, 
you have a birthday coming up pretty soon, haven't you? Still quite a, quite a ways off, Pop. Yeah, I know, but there are some things you have to plan well in advance. What do you mean, Pop? Well, I'll come right to the point. Your mother and I have been sort of talking things over. And for your birthday present, how would you like a little baby brother or sister? Well, if it's all the same to you and mother, I'd rather have a pony. <laughs> well, I, I'm afraid a pony's a little out of the question. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby Ditto just got a baby brother. A very nice one, too. Oh, really? Yeah, they got him from Dr. Brown. Hey, we take from him, too, don't we? Yes. <laughs> yes, we do, David. Uh, are you sure you wouldn't like a baby brother? You seem pretty interested. Well, I wouldn't want Bobby to think I was copying him. Maybe you'd better give me a baby sister. Oh, if you're afraid of copying Bobby, maybe we could get his mother and father to exchange their baby. Well, I don't think they'd take him back. You see, they've, they've already used him four days. <laughs> well, I tell you, think it over anyway, David, and I'll talk to you later. Oh, hello, Gloria. I'll see you later, Pop. Hello, Mr. Nelson. Did you know that Mrs. Nelson was looking for you? Oh, no, no, I didn't. I just got home a little while ago. I had quite a day shopping. Oh, have you been shopping? I'll say. I've been to the May Company, the Broadway, Saks Fifth Avenue, and a couple of others. Oh, Saks Fifth Avenue. I used to be a sales girl there. Oh, I didn't know that, Gloria. Oh, yes. And they paid me a big honor when I worked there. Really? Yeah, I was voted Miss Sad Sacks of 1940. <laughs> oh, fine. Where is Mrs. Nelson? She's in the other room working on that little sweater. Oh, so you know about the big surprise, too, hey? Oh, yeah. Uh, have you heard the latest development? <laughs> latest development? There's going to be two of them. <laughs> Two of them. Twins, eh? Gosh. Did I ever tell you I used to be twins? You used to be twins? Yes, my mother wrote and told me she has a picture of me when I was two. <laughs> You've been reading those old joke books again, eh, Gloria? Oh, Harriet. Yes, honey, I'm in here. Now, look, Harriet, you don't need to try to fool me any longer, because I know all about your surprise... And I think it's wonderful. Oh, darling, I'm so glad you feel that way about them. You old smarty pants, I can't keep anything from you, can I? Oh, I'm afraid I'm pretty sharp. <laughs> There's going to be two, you know. So, Gloria, tell me, but uh, are you sure there'll be two? Oh, positive. That radar is wonderful, isn't it? <laughs> you to promise me one thing. Anything at all, little mother. Well, if they make too much noise and keep you awake, let me know and I'll have them sleep in the garage. <laughs> in the garage? Oh, yes, it'll be very comfortable. We'll get a little box with some blankets in it and put it over there to the ash can. <laughs> Honestly, dear, you have a strange sense of humor sometimes. Oh, I just thought of something. Now I'd better buy a war bond for the other little fella, too. What do you mean? Well, when I heard about the little stranger coming to our house, I bought a war bond in his name. Why, Ozzy, that's silly. Silly? Oh, now, wait a minute, honey. Don't say a thing like that. Just because the war in Europe is over, don't think for a minute that we can stop buying war bonds. Because now more than ever before... Oh, Ozzy, you know me better than that. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, dear. You mean because he doesn't even have a name or anything yet? Well, I'll tell you what I did. I have a particular preference as to his name. <laughs> 
You have? Mm-hmm. So I put the bond in his name in an envelope on your dresser. And when he arrives, you can open it up and see how you like the name I picked out for him. Well, sounds like quite a routine. <laughs> By the way, I, I haven't asked you, uh, when do you expect the little strangers will arrive? Sometime next week. Oh, next week? <laughs> now, wait a minute. Well, of course. I could have had them today. Today? <laughs> well, yes. But first, I want to make sure they had their tails clipped and they didn't have their feet. <laughs> They're down at Joe's pet shop. Wait a minute. You mean you're, you're knitting that sweater for a dog? Well, of course, didn't you know that? You said that you... Ozzie, you didn't say... Oh, no, of course. Naturally, I knew it was a dog. Was... Pardon me, there. Some fellow just delivered a big package from a department store. It's for you, Mr. Nelson, from the baby department. From the... the, the uh, Gloria, he's got the wrong address. Just tell him to take it back. Well, I'm sorry, Mr. Nelson, but I opened the package already. Oh, you opened it? Yeah, and you should see. Three dozen of the cutest little face towels. Three dozen face towels? Gloria, those aren't face towels. Wrap them up and send them back. And send back the safety pins that came with them, too. feels good. I sure did a lot of walking today. Ozzie, do you still insist that you knew all along it was going to be a little dog? Well, of course, Harriet. Anybody could tell that. Well, I know I shouldn't have done this, but, well, I got so curious that I opened the envelope. The what envelope? The one with the war bond you bought for the dog. Oh. I think that's an awful cute name you picked out for him. Oh, thank you, dear. Mm Mm-hmm. But won't the neighbors think it's strange that we have a cocker spaniel named Ozzie Nelson, Jr.? This is the Armed Forces Radio Service. Equitable Life Assurance Society presents This is Your FBI. This is Your FBI, an official broadcast from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, presented as a public service by the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States and the Equitable Society's representative in your community. In a few minutes, the Equitable Society, sponsor of this program, will have an important announcement for homeowners and for all families that are thinking of buying or building a home. If this is your husband's night to go bowling or attend lodge meeting, please listen carefully to this announcement yourself so that you can tell him all about America's finest plan for home ownership, a plan that can save you money and give you greater security in a home of your own. Tonight's FBI file, The Friendly Killer.
The most alarming feature of the current crime wave in America is not just the fact that it is the largest in the history of the nation. Rather, it is the probability that the majority of those who have helped to make it the largest, the thousands of juvenile and adult beginners in crime, it is the probability that the majority of them will join and thereby expand the ranks of the professional criminals. That is the most alarming part of it. For it is the professional criminals, like those in tonight's case from the files of your FBI, who live solely by preying on the lives and property of others. It is they who form the cancerous area on the moral body of our society. And any permanent increase in their number only spreads the malignancy and shortens the distance to fatal degeneration. Most any other couple would have celebrated their 25th wedding anniversary by at least dining out or having in a few friends. But William and Betty Gates preferred to spend the day and evening quietly together in their modest little home in Cleveland. It's after supper now, and they've just settled down on the living room couch. William slips an arm about his wife and draws her closer to him. Bet, honey, it's been a mighty nice day, hasn't it? Sure has. But not any nicer than all the other days we've spent together. Ah, uh, now that was a real sweet way for you to put it, honey. Well, it's it's just how I feel about it. You know, Bet, we got a lot to be thankful for. Indeed we have. Comfortable home, our feeling for each other. And the work Walter's been giving me keeps us going along good. Uh, I, I guess we ought to... Oh, shucks. Now, who do you suppose that is? Well, I sure hope it's not company, but I better go see. Maybe it's just the paper boy to collect. I beg your pardon, sir. Yes? How does it feel to be married 25 years? Walter! <laughs> <laughs> oh, you... Ah, Bill, you old cussed. You and Betty think Patsy and I have forgotten what day this is? Oh, now, say, now, we're mighty glad you dropped you. Well, thanks. Come on, come in. Go ahead, Eddie. Okay. Bet we got company. Good company. It's Walter and the missus. Well, well, hello there. Congratulations, Mrs. Gates. <laughs> Thank you, You're honey. You're congratulating the wrong one, Patsy. What do you mean? It's Bill you want to congratulate for Betty letting him stick around for 25 years. Oh, oh see here. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, here's a little package for you both. Oh, Mr. Carter. Oh, that's nothing, Mrs. Gates. Walter's got a real surprise for you. You mean there's something more? Just wait till you hear it. Bill, how would you and Betty like to have a day at Niagara Falls? What? Niagara Falls. That's right. Ever been there, have you, Betty? No. Well, that's the surprise that we've got for you. Oh. we got a compartment for you both on the train to Buffalo tonight, and it's just a little short run from there to the falls, and you can come back the next day. But would we have to go tonight, Walter? Yeah, you would. Why? Because there'll be a man getting on in the compartment next to yours headed for New York with a satchel full of bonds worth $50,000. And you want us to steal them? That's right. Well, for heaven's sake, Walter, why didn't you say that in the first place? Yes. Just think, Bet, at last we're going to see Niagara Falls. Yes? Uh... 
Excuse me, friend. You you haven't gone to bed yet, have you? Who is it? Uh, this is your neighbor in the compartment next door. Oh. Hello there. What's on your mind? <laughs> well, now, there's something I forgot to tell you when we were talking back in the club car. What's that? Today happens to be our 25th wedding anniversary. Well, congratulations. <laughs> what do you know? So my wife talked me into inviting you in for a little nightcap drink or two. Oh, I see. How about it? I'd be delighted. Oh, that's fine. Uh, Betty. Yes? Uh, Mr. Burnett's coming in for a drink. Oh, how nice. I'll just close my door. Sure. Now, go ahead in, Mr. Burnett. Thank you. Good evening, ma'am. Good evening. I, uh, I hope you have a taste for wine, Mr. Burnett. Sure. <laughs> this is real good. I, I made it myself. Here you are. Thank you. William? Thank you, Bet. May I propose a toast? Of course. Here's to the love... William, that was very rude of you. You hit him before he finished the toast. Next morning, in answer to a telegram from the conductor, Special Agent Hugh Miller of the New York office of the FBI met the incoming Cleveland train at Grand Central Station and went immediately to compartment A in car 426. A few minutes later... And when the porter wakened me, Mr. Miller, I was still in their compartment here. And of course, they were gone. And the bonds were gone from your compartment? Yes, sir. You say the couple got off at Buffalo? The conductor said they had booked the compartment only that far. Well, I see they were careful enough to do a little cleaning up before they left the train. How do you mean? The wood and metal surfaces in here seem to have been gone over with a wet cloth recently. They weren't leaving any fingerprints behind. Oh, but surely there must be some kind of clue that would help. Can you give me a good description of the couple? Yes, yes, of course I can. The bonds, what kind were they? Uh, Valley Gas and Electric Company in units of $1,000. Registered? No, sir, just coupon. And they'd certainly have no trouble disposing of them. I'm afraid not. Do you have a list of the serial numbers? Yes, in my office in Cleveland. Uh-oh, that'll cost us a little time. They may sell the bonds before we can alert all banks and brokers of the list of the bond numbers. Oh, I can have my office on the phone in a few minutes, Mr. Miller. All right, and have your secretary phone the list to our office there. I'll call the agent in charge there now and give him the story. Good. Then I think you and I had better hop the next plane for Cleveland. Why? Well, a couple boarded the train with you, didn't they? Yes. In all probability, Cleveland is their base, too. They'll likely head back there from Buffalo. I see. Well, let's not waste any more time. Let's make those calls. Right. Well, I imagine that's Walter come for the bonds, Bet. No, I'll let him in. Just a minute. Hello, Betty. Oh, come in, Mr. Carter. Thanks. Yeah, where's Bill? Right here, Walter. Oh, good, good. Did you get the bond? Yep. Well, where are they? Right here. Here you are. What'd you do to the guy? Oh, he was the nicest man, Mr. Carter. We invited him in to have a drink in honor of our anniversary. Yes, he was. He's a very sociable fellow. Holy cats, Bill. What's the matter? These bonds. What about them? I thought the guy was carrying Cleveland municipals. These are Valley Gas and Electric. Well, there's $51,000 bonds there anyway. Well, you know what the market is on them now? No. Well, they're not listed on the board, but I know. Bonds are my racket. These are only worth about $300 a piece. 
Uh-huh. Uh, too bad, Bill. That cuts yours and Betty's third down to five grand instead of fifteen. Oh. Well, anyway, that's five thousand more than you would have had, isn't it? And besides, you had a nice trip to Niagara? Uh, yes. Well, I won't keep you waiting for your cut. Yeah. There's your five G's. Uh, thanks, thanks ever so much, Walter. I uh, better get going, get rid of these before they get too hot. So long. Bye, Mr. Uh, so Walter. long, so long, Walter. William. Uh, what, honey? Do you think Mr. Carter was telling the truth? I don't know, Bet. But I'm sure we're going to find out. Say, what's the matter with you fellas here in the Cleveland office, kidder? 24 hours and the bond thieves still at large. Okay, okay, Miller. The next plane from New York leaves in 30 minutes. Uh, no leads yet, huh? It takes time to alert all banks and brokers in the country. Sure, but they should all be on notice by now. The bonds may have been disposed of before they were alerted. Even so, whoever bought them ought to be yelling. Hey, you still think the thieves base here in Cleveland? Sure. Why? Well, we've got no record of anybody answering their description. And neither have the police. Yeah, but just the same. Oh, excuse me. No. Kidder speaking. Uh, this is C.P. Adams in the state building. Yes? I am a broker. Just a minute, sir. Get on the other phone, Miller. This may be a lead. Yeah. Yes, Mr. Adams? I have no complaint against the FBI. I'm sure you got out your notices as soon as possible. But, uh... Yes, sir? Unfortunately, my secretary was out when my notice came, and she's just handed it to me one hour too late. What do you mean? I bought those stolen bonds one hour ago. I see. Well, please don't disturb anything in your office, Mr. Adams. We'll be right over. Here, Bets. Oh. Well, been home long, William? Not long. I didn't mean to get home after dark, but I went downtown to do some shopping late, and I met that Mrs. Wilson. Oh, I know what that means, yeah. Oh, yes. Mm. Talk, talk, talk for hours, seems like. Yep. Just can't get away from her without... Well, for heaven's sake, William. Isn't that Mr. Carter? That's right. Well, why have you got him gagged and tied up in that chair? Well, can't you guess? Oh, you found out something. Yes, I'm afraid he was lying about what the bonds were worth. Oh, what a pity. Hmm. How much they're worth? Face value, $50,000 plus interest. Hmm. Has he already sold them? Yep. Where's the money? Oh, we'll get it all right. Goodness. Imagine him trying to pull a stunt like that. Bet the trouble with crime, there's too many amateurs like Walter in it. His last mistake cost him two years. Yes, and he come mighty near getting us in the soup kettle besides. Mm, well, he's got himself in one this time. <sighs> what are you going to do with him? I was just waiting till you got home and for it to get dark. Oh. Mm -hmm. Hand me the choker out of the drawer, would you? Oh, sure, dear. Now, look, Walter, I... I'd like to take your gag out, but the neighbors might hear you and get an idea something was wrong. Uh, uh, will this thing do, William? This, hmm? uh... Uh, yes, that, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm sorry, Walter. Mm -hmm. 
Now, 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 I know you don't like being choked, but it'll be all over real soon. He's gone, Bet. Yes, poor fella. Well, it's getting late. I better fix some supper. And now, before the FBI file on the friendly killers resumes, as it will in just a moment, here's that important message for homeowners and home buyers. This week, the Equitable Life Assurance Society has a special message for young couples who are setting up housekeeping in this first year of peace, 1946. A message, in fact, for all families who intend to build or buy a home or who now own a home. We have a plan that's made to order for you. It's called the Equitable Society's Assured Home Ownership Plan. And it offers you security along with these five important advantages. One, the mortgage is canceled, paid off in full if owner dies. And besides, every dollar previously paid on principal is returned in full to the widow along with a canceled mortgage. Two, a special cash fund is built up, ready to be used if financial emergencies threaten the home. Three, this cash fund increases as the mortgage shrinks. It can be used to shorten the term of the mortgage, pay off a 20-year mortgage, for example, in as little as 14 years, saving six years' interest. Four, mortgage interest not at 6%, not at 5%, but at only 4%. Five, liberal allowance to cover title search, lawyer's fees, and other closing costs. No broker's commission or bonus charges. Frankly, there is no other plan like this anywhere. The Equitable Society calls it America's finest plan for home ownership. It protects you against the two major hazards of home mortgages, death and hard times. So if you're planning to buy or build a house, or if you now own a home, get complete information on the assured home ownership plan from your Equitable Society representative. That's the Equitable Society. E-Q-U-I-T-A-B-L-E, the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States. And now back to the FBI file, The Friendly Killers. There are a lot of amateurs in the field of crime, both beginners and habitual criminals, who are so engrossed in the achievement of their main objective, whether it be profit or emotional gratification, that they commit many glaring blunders which lead to their defeat. But the most seasoned and most calculating of professional criminals, such as the murderer called William Gates in tonight's case, differ from the amateurs in this respect only that they make fewer mistakes. But inevitably, they make at least one mistake, leave at least one clue, and it takes only that one to defeat them. (laughs) 
It was only a couple of hours before William Gates and his wife Betty murdered Walter Carter that Special Agent Kidder of the Cleveland FBI office and Special Agent Miller received the telephone call from the bond broker Adams. A few minutes later in Adams' office. You say, Mr. Adams, that you bought the stolen bonds only about an hour before you received our warning notice. Uh, yes, as I told you, Mr. Kidder, my secretary was out when the notice was delivered. Hmm. Unfortunate timing. Well, it's certainly not your fault. Thank you, sir. The man who sold you the bonds? Uh, he gave the name of Jackson, but now that I know they were stolen bonds, I assume uh, that's not his real name. Can you describe him? Well, I'd say he was of medium height and weight, a well-tailored gray suit. Uh, pardon me, sir. You say only medium height? Uh, that's right, Mr. Miller. And how old? Oh, I judge not more than, well, under 40 anyway. That's not the man we were looking for, Kidder. Uh, how's that, sir? It was a man and his wife, Mr. Adams, who stole the bonds originally. And the man's description doesn't tally with the one you've given. How did you pay him for the bonds? I sent out for the cash. He said he needed it right away for another transaction. I see. Is everything in your office exactly as it was then? I haven't disturbed a thing since our phone conversation. Mm. Do you smoke cigarettes, Mr. Adams? Uh, no, sir. There's a half-smoked cigarette in your ashtray. Why, uh, uh, he smoked that himself. Are you positive? Yes. Uh, I had to pass him the tray. I, I remember. Yes. And there ought to be a print on that cigarette. Right. We'll take the tray and all, if you don't mind, Mr. Adams. Go right ahead. And if you'll give us a more detailed description of the man, we may start getting somewhere pretty fast on this. Mrs. Carter. Oh, hello, Mr. Gates. I'm sorry to bother you this late in the evening, but... Uh, Walter's not here. Uh, yes, I know. He, he was the one sent me. Oh, come in. Thank you. Where is Walter? He's uh, hiding out. Where? Well, now, he told me not to tell you because uh, you'd be sure to come to him, and he doesn't want to risk uh, getting you in trouble, too. What do you mean? Well, Walter thinks that somebody's on his trail since he sold those bonds. He didn't think that when he left here late this afternoon. No, I'm only doing what he told me, ma'am. What did he send you here for? He doesn't want the money here in case the police start searching the apartment. I don't believe it. You believe this, ma'am? Where did you get his keychain? Walter gave it to me so you could open the cash box. But I don't know the safe combination. He gave me that too, ma'am. Look, if Walter's trying to pull a run out on oh, me, I'll... No, no. You, you know he wouldn't do that to you, ma'am. He'd double-cross his own grandmother. I'd better get this money for him, like he said. Okay. But you tell him what I said. If he's trying to pull anything funny, I'll fix him good. Kidder speaking. Hello, this is Miller. Oh, good morning, Miller. We haven't got the answer back on the cigarette prints yet. We don't need the answer now. Why not? The man who sold the bonds to Adams was Walter Carter. How do you know? The description checks exactly. And the police fished Carter's body out of the river 30 minutes ago. Yes? Is this Mr. Carter's apartment? That's right, but he's not here. Are you Mrs. Carter? Yes. We're special agents of the FBI. 
the FBI. We'd like to come in. But uh, Mr. Carter's not here, and I... This is a search warrant, Mrs. Carter. Oh, come in. Go ahead, Miller. Thanks. When did you see your husband last? Why, he left yesterday afternoon late. Where was he going? He said he was going out of town. Is that all he told you? Yes, he never discusses his business with me. What is your husband's business, Mrs. Carter? Why, he's a, a promoter. What does he promote? Why, he... Look, tell me what this is all about. You don't know, Mrs. Carter? I, I don't know anything about anything. Your husband sold $50,000 worth of stolen bonds yesterday. What? Where did he get them? And what did he do with the money? I don't know. Mrs. Carter, this morning your husband's body was found floating in the river. Oh. Oh, I'm sorry. Apparently that is news to you. What? Why wouldn't it be? Perhaps you will help us now. It, it's like I said... I don't know anything about anything. Very well, Mrs. Carter. But if you should uh, think of anything, let us know. I'll answer it, Bet. Hello? Mr. Gates? Yes? This is Mrs. Carter. Oh, it's important that I get in touch with Walter, since you know where he is. Oh, but I, I don't. He, he left town after I gave him the money last night. Uh, uh, didn't say where he was going. Oh, but this is very important. Well, is there anything I can do? Well, it's about another job that just came up. Oh, I see. And uh, Walter will miss making an awful lot of money if he doesn't get to handle it. Well, now, maybe, uh, uh, maybe you and I could handle it for Walter, ma'am. Oh, would you, Mr. Gates? Oh, sure thing. I'd do anything for you and Walter, ma'am. Wonderful. Then I'll be at your house at 8 o'clock tonight. I reckon that's her now, Bet. It's about... Eight o'clock. You better be careful, William. She might be up to something. No, I believe she was telling the truth, Beth. Well, I wouldn't be so sure. Well, come in, Mrs. Carter. Thanks. Oh, good evening, Mrs. Carter. Good evening. Well, looks like you might be going to do some traveling. I see you got your bag with you. That's right. I am going to do some traveling. Oh? I just stopped by to get a little expense money first. What? Well, now, I don't understand, ma'am. You, you said over the phone something about I a wanted job. to make sure you'd be at home. What did I tell you, William? And now about that expense money. Yes, ma'am? I'll give it to you quick. Walter's body was found in the river this morning. We both know who did it. And we both know who's got that 50000 Yes, ma'am? I'll let you keep half of it to keep you quiet, and I'll take the other half to keep me quiet. Okay? Well, I guess... Most people would think that was a fair proposition, Mrs. Carter. William, uh, you... But when your half was spent, there'd be nothing to keep you from talking unless I put up some money. I made you a deal. Take it or leave it. Bet it appears there's only one thing for us to do. Yes. Now, look here. I don't know what you're up to. Get the choker out of the drawer. No, wait a minute. You... Take your hand off. Hurry, Bet. <laughs> Hold her arms, Betty. Stop where you are and don't move. What? Who are these men, William? We're special agents of the FBI. Thank you. Well, I guess we must have slipped up somewhere, Bet. You did. 
I'm murdering Walter Carter. Yes, but... And you... Mrs. Carter. We were sure you knew more than you told us. So we let you lead us here. Come on, all three of you. For the murder of Walter Carter, William Gates was turned over to local authorities and sentenced to the electric chair. His wife and accomplice received a long prison term. While Carter's widow was given a term in a federal penitentiary for conspiring with her husband in a theft of interstate transportation of property. They were all members of that vast and rapidly growing army of professional criminals in America. Your FBI and your local law enforcement agencies have mobilized to meet this army in a struggle that will decide the moral fate of this nation. But the balance of power is in your hands. It is your cooperation, your vigilance, your determination to stamp out crime. It is these that will decide the issue. Next week, another thrilling case from the files of your FBI. We'll tell you about it in just a moment. Now, here are just two of the features that we believe entitle the Equitable Society to call the Assured Home Ownership Plan America's finest plan for home ownership. Just think, only 4% interest. And in case the owner dies, the widow owns the home free and clear, the mortgage is canceled. But there are other advantages to this Assured Home Ownership Plan, many of them. To be sure to get all of them plain and clear, call your Equitable Society representative. Get in touch with him by phoning the Equitable Life Assurance Society, E-Q-U-I-T-A-B-L-E, the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States. Next week, we will bring you another colorful story from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the Surplus Swindle. The incidents used in tonight's Equitable Life Assurance Society's broadcast are adapted from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. However, all names used are fictitious, and any similarity thereof to the names of persons living or dead is accidental. Tonight, the music was composed and conducted by Frederick Steiner, the author was Frank Ferries, and your narrator was Dean Carlton. This is your FBI, is a Jerry Devine production. This is Carl Frank speaking for the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States and the Equitable Society's representative in your community and inviting you to tune in again next week at this same time when the Equitable Life Assurance Society of the United States will bring you another colorful story from the files of the Federal Bureau of Investigation. The Surplus Swindle. On this is your FBI. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. Begun in April of 1945, This Is Your FBI was the first of several FBI shows to base its episode on actual cases. In the skilled hands of writer Jerry Devine, the cop show genre was infused with a new authenticity and gripping dramatic pace. 
Devine went directly to the FBI, attending the School for New Agents and obtaining permission from J. Edgar Hoover to examine the files and fictionalize closed cases. Begun as World War II was winding down, earlier stories were generally war-related. Later episodes revolved around domestic crime. The stories were generally told from the viewpoint of the criminal or his victim, and glorified the FBI while depicting criminal life as horrifyingly sordid. The hero, Agent Jim Taylor, was almost relegated to a subsidiary role. Jim Taylor was played by actor Stacey Harris, who also voiced Batman on the Superman program, and who continued his acting career for almost two decades with an impressive resume of television character parts. Each episode was presented with a strong narrative track by actors Frank Lovejoy, he also starred in Gangbusters, Nightbeat, and Damon Runyon Theater, and other actors were Dean Carlton and William Woodson. In addition to Divine, writers Lawrence MacArthur, Frank Ferris, and Jerry D. Lewis contributed episodes until the series ended in 1953. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.